Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Wouldn't you admit that that was probably the cutest lineup of babies we've ever had in Grace Avenue Church? For some reason, that was just like the cutest. Each one was just as cute as the next one, drawing you into their cuteness little by little. It's so good to be with you this morning, Grace Avenue Church. Thank you for being with us. Um, I want to start off today by just uh, blessing and speaking life and health over the parents who brought their children up there. I just want to say I am so proud of you for choosing to lead your lives in the ways of God and to follow him with all of your heart and to see the blessing of God. I'm a second generation Christian. My parents stepped into the faith not knowing anything or anyone about this. And they just embraced what they could and what they knew, and they powered through. And as they powered through and lived their life growing in faith, uh, out of the blessing of that came all kinds of things that happened in our lives. Our lives changed. Our families changed. Friendships changed. And they didn't know that what they were doing was setting their own son up to be a pastor. This was never in the plan of, of our family. There are no pastors in our family. But God had a plan. So you never know what putting your... Stake in the ground with God will do for the generation to come. Amen? All God's people said on that. Hey, I want to start off with a little announcement. It's a little announcement about a big thing. As most of you know, every single Easter we are trying to do multiple services. We do multiple services every Sunday here. uh, And and often uh, in the the final two services, it's often pretty packed. And so uh, every Easter um, we seem to get people from all around the city and their cousins and second cousins and third cousins and grandmothers and their grandmother's best friend and two cousins of hers. And uh, as we've tried to navigate that over the last four or five years here, it's just become too packed. So what we've done this year is take a huge step of faith, and we're calculating uh, with all the people that we tend to reach and the possibilities of what we could possibly do this Easter. We have made a faith step to lease the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts downtown. Yeah. And then after that, we come back here to the Mini Tobin Center, which is what we're going to refer this to this as every week after that. So uh, Easter service is at the Tobin Center, and then we'll be back here at the Mini Tobin. But I believe in God to do some incredible things in and through that time together. Uh, again, there'll be a, a lot of attention on it, and we just have to navigate that because that's just kind of how it is. But uh, to, to create an atmosphere where we can facilitate services and ministry and really just see people saved on that incredible day. It's a chance where we get to meet with God, worship Jesus, celebrate an incredible, incredible day, but at the same time see lives transformed. So can we just begin to pray from this day forward all the way through Easter that God is going to do what he wants to do on that day, that before time began, he knew this was happening. Uh, We're excited about it. I can't wait to see what God does. I know it's just the beginning of a great season for us. Again, this is a new faith, new trust step for us. And uh, we're believing God for great things. Amen? Well, hey, we've been in a uh, series called The Proving Ground, and we've been talking about what it means uh, to fulfill and, and reach the potential that God has put inside of you. Uh, I've, I've kind of wrestled over the last four or five weeks with kind of the mindset of our generation that we're living with today that kind of feels in some ways that we should just step onto the scene and arrive. 
that all the things that we dream and all the things that we want, the family that we want, the things God puts in our hearts, the gifts God places in our lives, the, the dreams that we're shooting for, all of those things, that, that they will come with tests. And if you ask anyone over the age of 30 here today, they'll tell you they've been tested. Anybody who's over the age of 50 today, they'll tell you what a real test in life is like. Because they've survived some. And so we have to be good at learning how to navigate the tests that come through life. We've talked about different tests that come. Today I want to talk about one called the authority test. And the authority test is, is a big deal. And I want to kind of explain it like this. I have a, a little daughter who's caught between the wonderful ones and the terrible twos. And she leans more towards the terrible twos than she does the wonderful ones the last few months. She's in this zone where she just kind of leans in that direction uh, to, to this effect. When I, I tell her, hey, come here, she finds it hilarious to turn around and run the complete opposite direction. <laughs> if she has something in her hands that she shouldn't have, and I say, hey, give that to me, she turns around and runs in the other direction. Uh, if I say, put that down, she picks it up. If I say, don't pull the dog's hair, she looks at me and she'll pet him, and then when I'm not looking, she'll pull it again. So in her is this already forming thing with the authority in her life. And it's funny because when she wants what she wants, she's totally obedient. She's totally cool with the authority that I have in her life when I say, do you want some chocolate? And she knows that as the authority, I can give her that chocolate, little chocolate chip out of the cabinet. Man, she's like, you are my authority. I shall follow you wherever you go. Whenever she wants a taco, you know this is my kid, by the way, she will, she will do whatever we want for a Bill Miller's potato, bacon, and egg breakfast taco. That kid, and all God's people said, amen, amen right? And we all, all know that that's a great authority in our life. That taco rules a lot of our seasons. Throughout the generations, it rules generations. It's a good taco, but I know that's my kid because out of all the things that she won't eat, that's the only thing that every single time we put it in front of her, she will finish. She will finish it all the way down to the last potato. But there's other things that she's not interested in and other things that she doesn't want me to speak into. And as an authority, it's, it's pretty obvious that, that not even being two years old, when she's not down with it, she runs away or she tells me, nah. That's her favorite thing to do. Nah, with her hand like that. <laughs> Want to eat this? Nah. And if she's really upset and cranky, she'll go, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> That's her thing. And, and, and I'm looking at this, and I'm just cracking up because, you know, here I am with this little baby, and she's already communicating to me, I know that you're the authority, but I'm going to do what's best for my life. I'm going to do what's best for this moment. I'm going to do what's best for this season, right? And, and, and it kind of cracks me up because I look at that and I see so much of our relationship in life and our relationship to God in that same manner. I see our relationship to authority at times and, and how God navigates things in and through our life and how we're like, nah, 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 not interested, but this is the path that he's carved out for me. I think it's interesting how God will, will lay out blessing and opportunity and things that he's set before us so clearly. And instead of running to him, 
We turn around and smile and run the other way saying, now I know what's best. I know it's best in this season. Come on, have you seen this in your life before? I know I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in all kinds of different areas in my life. There are places in life where, where we will run to him because we're excited about what God will give us in those areas of life. And then there's those areas of life where we're prone to run away from him because we don't want to do what he wants us to do. We don't want to do what his word tells us to do. We don't, we don't want to do what we know is right in certain areas of life. Are you with me this morning? And if we want to grow spiritually, if, spiritually, if we want to live lives that really please God, let's talk about this for a second. There's living life and then there's growing spiritually and living a life that pleases God. There's the life that we just want to live and then there's a life where we grow spiritually and we live a life that pleases God. These two could be mashed together pretty easily if we just remember who our authority is, right? But in order to do that, I think we have to come back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. that says that, that you and I are God's masterpiece. That God created us and planned for us long ago. Long ago, he planned for us to do some good things that would bear his name bring his glory to the earth. Think about it. All these parents up here with their dreams and their hopes and their goals for these beautiful babies, God planned that long ago. God already deposited inside of them the goods, the things that he wants to come out. I, I speak with a lot of young parents, and I know because a lot of them, people that grow in Grace Avenue have, have come from broken homes and absentee fathers and mothers and just jacked up environments. I, I often hear a common phrase from from parents, new parents, that they don't want to jack their kids up. I don't want to mess my kids up. And, and I would say to you that if God is your authority in the healthiest sense and that you're conveying his love, you're not going to jack your kids up. In fact, you're going to do the best thing you can for your kids by pouring his life and his love that's been poured into you right back into them. And just the fact that you're thinking, I don't want to jack your kids up, probably means you're not going to jack your kids up. It means you're thinking straight. See, God has good things planned for us, and he planned these things long ago. And, and th that's the beauty of following Jesus is because when we start following Jesus and he becomes the authority in our life, God starts changing desires. He starts changing attitudes. He starts changing mindsets. He starts changing the way we react to things, and it becomes more of a response to a season than a reaction to a season. It becomes more of a response to relatives that you have conflict with rather than a reaction to relatives you have conflict with. Amen. And it becomes more of a response to the confusion of the season rather than just a reaction to the season because you know God has good things planned long ago, and you're walking in those things, and you're walking in and through his authority. See, we're cool with other authorities as long as we know that they're benefiting us, right? If we're being sued, we want a good lawyer, right? If, we, if we're scared about something in regards to our health, we want a good doctor who's an authority. So in court, we want a lawyer who is an authority, and when it comes to medicine, we want a doctor who's an authority. When it comes to you know, making a decision as a, as, a, as a younger person, and we're trying to figure out our, our path and, 
Dad, do you think this is a good idea? Mom, do you think this is a good idea? What we're asking for is their wisdom and their authority on life that they've lived. So authority in and of itself is not bad. It's funny, I, the last three presidents, I've heard somebody say, not my president. They've still been president all that time. <laughs> Just make note of that. But I've seen bumper stickers for the last three presidents right here in San Antonio, not my president. I won't go there, but you know where I'm going with that. We can understand leadership 101, Bible 101, theology 101 that would understand God's authority in our life and how we respond to authority here on the earth. But like I'm saying, I don't think we have a problem with authority when we know that it's blessing us and it's bringing us into something that's going to give us a good answer at the doctor, a win in court, something that's going to carve out a path for our life. But in the same way, we have to see that the perspective that we often have on authority is, is often skewed by what we see in culture. I mean, I know it's been bad. I do a lot of, you know, I study a lot and I study a lot of the 60s and civil rights movements and things that were happening in the 60s, the political upheaval that was going on, and a lot of assassinations, and just, just some crazy stuff happening in the 60s. And it seems like that all that unrest is kind of prevalent right now. And it's, it's this, this upheaval uh, against not just one authority, but all authorities. Can I tell you that as, God, as God's people, we're supposed to learn how to live under God's authority and the authority God has established around us? And how important it is for us to understand that, that authority actually brings in not a wilderness into our life, but it brings wholeness into our life. It brings structure. It brings order. It brings peace. It buffers us from actually deceiving ourselves that we know everything. Come on. You work with people who think they could do better than the manager that you're currently alongside. <laughs> See, you hear that? Everybody's dealing with the same thing. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing, and we need a different manager, and they don't need to be in charge. You notice all the people who are talking about that aren't in charge. Which means that if everybody just laughed at the same thing about the manager or the boss or the leader that's in charge, that means that all of us to some degree could be in that position where we are the leader, the manager, or the boss in charge, which means people will be laughing about you <laughs> once you're in charge. Am I making sense here this morning? So when my wife asks, honey, how do I look in what I'm wearing today? That moment and in that moment only, she wants me to be an authority <laughs> in her life. But that's the only moment. Only for her to go and change into five other things and then wear none of them that I actually authoritatively commented on. <laughs> Here's why authority is so important as a Christian. Let's just, let's just get to the heart of this. 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are God's ambassadors, and as we're God's ambassadors, we can speak with his authority, appealing to the world on behalf of Jesus Christ. We are God's ambassadors. I want you to think about that word for a second. We are God's ambassadors. That word actually means someone who's respected as trustworthy, loyal, 
knowledgeable, especially in the opinion of those that they know they belong to. Man, what a powerful phrase at the very end of that definition, those who they belong to. Here we are, we belong to Christ. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't belong to just our dreams. We don't just belong to our passions. As Christians, we belong to Jesus. And in belonging to Jesus, we get the opportunity to represent him. And in getting the opportunity to represent him, we understand we're ambassadors of something far greater and far bigger, a kingdom that we represent, a people that we represent, a king that we represent, a culture that we represent. And we're ambassadors for that in all that we do. So it's not about not being a jacked up parent as an authority figure. It's about being a kingdom cultured individual to my children. Who, by the way, both think I can't do anything right right now. Join the party. See, see what I'm trying to say is that in, in all areas of life, God is trying to bring you under a, his authority. Your marriage, he's trying to bring that under his authority. Maybe you didn't come from that background. That's okay. God's not a, an abusive dictator and not an abusive ruler, but he is trying to bring you under authority. When I'm telling my kid, no fruit snacks right now because you just had four packs. <laughs> that's not abusive. That's protection. That's buffering her from a sugar overload. She doesn't see it that way. But I'm trying to bring her under my authority in that moment so she could see the bigger picture. God is trying to bring you under authority in this season of your life. This is why the tension is there. It's not a matter of you fighting him. You're not fighting him. You're just losing against him. What he's trying to get you to do is see the bigger picture of what it's like to come under the blessing of God by being under his authority. See, here's what Jesus said about people who are his followers. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They know me and they follow me. Jesus understood that those are, that are actually under his authority can hear his voice. I mean, I mean, what a blessing that Jesus would create that avenue of understanding between he and us in our communication with him. That we would be people who know his voice. That we'd be people who hear his voice. And that we'd be people who willingly follow the authority that he is in our life. So we're asking God to keep us out of messes and, and direct our paths. It comes with learning to hear the master's voice. It comes with, with, with learning to hear, not, not the voice of fear or conflict or the, nah, nah, I don't want to hear that. But hearing the voice of the master in all things. See, my kids think I'm raining on their parade when I'm directing them, but really what I'm doing is protecting them. Not raining on the parade. Just bringing direction <clears throat> look at this it says Colossians 3:17. whatever you do in word or in deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him what does whatever mean <laughs> it means whatever in whatever you do and in whatever you say this is not on certain occasions when you like it when you don't want to run away from him because he's pulling you in, drawing you back to his love, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. And then here's, here's, the, here's the cherry on top. Giving thanks while you do it. It's kind of like when we tell our, our, our kids, you know, clean your room. And I want you to smile when you head back to your room and I told you to go clean it. Smile on the way. No, smile. Let me see some teeth. There you go. Get back to your room. Be happy about cleaning. It, it, that's not the authoritative view of God. God's trying to give us a picture of being thankful that he actually knows what's going on when we're doing this thing in word or in deed for his name, for his glory. Something bigger is happening. Something broader is happening at that moment. How do you handle, I just want to ask you a few of these, how do you handle these particular areas of authority in your life? Here's the first one, the authority of times and seasons. The authority of times and seasons. You are not the only person today who does not feel like you are where you should be. And times and seasons dictate so much more of our life than we like to give credit to. We, we like to feel, especially this generation, that the next podcast is the very thing that can unlock the very thing that we're missing in life. Well, I've got no problem of us feeding ourselves info and knowledge and, and, and wisdom and, and, and setting up ourselves to be prepared. Let's understand that God dictates times and seasons in our lives. Let me just go through a few scriptures just to help us with this. From the very beginning in Genesis... It says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. God was already establishing and creating segmented places in your life that dictate time and dictate season. Not for you to be frustrated with, but for you to adhere to and understand and flow with. Genesis 8:22. while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. There's always going to be a time where we're sowing and then a time where we're reaping. It's not sow today, reap tomorrow. It's not get married today, have perfect marriage in two years. Anybody married over 10 years, please say amen to that. It takes time to see that what you've sown actually bring a harvest. It takes time. It's seed time, and then there's harvest time. There's seed time of sowing love and then receiving love. There's, there's the seed time of bearing with one another's inconsistencies. And then the harvest of realizing I've got just as many inconsistencies. It got real quiet on that one. Let's move on. I'll save that for the marriage marriage uh, series I do. John, John chapters 2 and chapter 7 speak of this, of Jesus saying in this one form or another, my time has not yet come. In fact, in one, in one, one phrase he says, for you any time will do, but for me my time has not yet come. Man, isn't that us? For us any time will do? We're just happy right now. Just make it happen right now, God. Any time will do for us. But I don't want any time. I want God's time. Because all I know, if I had prayed and God had given me that relationship in seventh grade, I'd be in real trouble right now. I thought I knew best, but I didn't. Neither did you. And there are things in, in, within time frames and seasons that you've operated in, that you've lived in, that have showed you what your desires are now that you look back on them and think, man, I'm glad God changed my desires. She's not as good looking as I thought she was. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. God could have just done it. But when the fullness of time had come, when the perfect time had come, when the time according to God's plan. See, th this authority understanding of time helps de-stress our lives. And not just that, it, it navigates us into a channel of obedience and living for God. Where we're not, you know, hitting against the walls every time something doesn't go our way and just, just trying to bust out of the season and bust out of the time and just, just wish something would be different. How much time do you spend wishing? Wishing, not even praying, but just wishing things were different. Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season. For everything in your life there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. See, understanding the plan of God for your life begins with understanding the timing of God for your life. We don't see time as an authority. We, we actually see time as something that we want to buck against and manipulate and, and move and shape according to our dreams and our, our goals and our passions. Hey, Guilty man, number one, right here preaching to you. I, I could tell you five areas of my life where I would like to just manipulate time to do something that I would think is more beneficial for my life. Are you with me this morning? See, time is one of the greatest gifts that God has given you. If you, if you stop looking at time as the enemy, it'll change the way you actually manage your time. Because time is a gift. God gives you time to raise your kids. He gives you time. He gives, he gives you the time to, to sow into them, to build into them the things that they actually need to be not just humans, but fully functioning, God-loving, productive humans that bless the earth and build a life for themselves. He gives you time. That, that's a gift to you. We could snap our fingers and just wish it's done, but God, God's like, no. She's going to steal the fruit snacks, even though you told her not to. And you're going to teach her why you're an authority in her life in that moment. You're going to show her the goodness of who I am as an authority in your life so that you can show her the goodness of authority in her life. God gives you time to forgive. God gives you time to prepare yourself. What are you doing with time right now? Are you neglecting time or are you maximizing time? Is it something that you're just wishing would shift and change? See, God will teach you something in the waiting if you have the right perspective on it. He'll teach you something in the waiting. Proverbs 8.34 says this, Blessed is the person who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. I want you to think about that for a, for a second. God, God is speaking of wisdom here in Proverbs 8. But think about someone, blessed, joyful, is the person who's actually watching daily at the gates for God to do something. Waiting beside my doors. How many of us approach our relationship with God like that, where we get up in the morning and we're watching daily at the gate of the day to see what God is going to do? Or we're waiting beside the door in our office, at a job, in a situation, while the rest of your workflow and your workplace is all concentrating just on what they can get done and what they wish the manager would do the, ways the, the way the company would go, what are you waiting on in that moment to see that God could possibly do in you and around you? Like, do we even have eyes to see that? To see that a supernatural God who invaded humanity, became a man, 
was crucified for our sins, rose, has ascended to heaven, has deposited his Holy Spirit in us, has left us with a mandate and a mission on the earth, is sitting there saying, I want to say something to you. Are you waiting at the door? Are you listening at the gate for the things I want to show you? Are we just caught up complaining in the season? They don't do this and they don't do that and he doesn't do that. And if they would only do that, and then we squeeze ourselves out of seasons and times that God wanted to teach us something in. We, 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 we navigate ourselves into more seemingly comfortable places that leave us repeating the same lesson again that we're not controlling anything. We're stewards of time. We're managers of time. See, people waiting to arrive, they always seem miserable, right? I mean, it's kind of like the Starbucks line, you're like, oh, right? That's me. Ask my wife. She knows. She knows if there's like more than six cars in the, in the drive-thru, we're not getting coffee. I'll never get that time back. I, I, can't, I can't justify it. My destiny is slipping away. That's... 700 breaths that I just took that I'll, I'll never be able to use for anything productive. Like, I just waited for, especially the one by my house, it takes like 20, 20 to 25 minutes sometimes. Mobile order, nah, nah, because that means then I have to wait for that whole line of six people to get their drink. I've done this, trust me. The one by my house needs some work. I need some help. I want to be a, an authority in that place, but I'm... <laughs> I'm not allowed to. My time has not yet come. It's funny because I won't wait for that, but, but there's things, you know, I, you know we'll, we'll wait in for an iPhone for like two hours clicking the button like to, to get the new iPhone. I'll wait in line for concert tickets. I, I'll wait for my kids. I'll, I'll wait for the things, but the things that aren't that important to me, I won't wait for because the time's not that important, but, but we're always miserable when we're waiting to arrive somewhere. But, you know, people who are waiting to discover are always living expectant. There's an expectation in their life. See, God wants to show the world through us what pressure looks like when we're trusting God in a season. Here's another thing, the authority of the Holy Spirit. How do you handle the authority of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5, 25 says, Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In every part of our life, let's, let's follow the, the... In fact, another translation says, let's keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, there's a step and a, and a cadence and a, and a track that God is already on that God is asking us to keep in step with. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. So keep you from stepping off into places that you know are destructive for your life, are destructive for the season. See, I, I often think that following the Holy Spirit, like if I could give you a picture, it's a lot like, like a traffic light. Like that there's times God's saying, go, it's green, go. And then there's times it's yellow where he's saying, I want you to be cautious here. And then there's the red light where he's saying, I want you to stop right here and right now in this season. I want you to think about what you're doing. And then when we don't stop, accidents happen. When we're not cautious through the yellow light, accidents can happen. But when we've got the green, when we've got the go, 
God's behind that because we're keeping in step with him. And as his ambassadors, we're seeing what he's guiding us through. Last one, authority of the community. Not any community. I'm talking about a biblical community. Your church family. Your godly relationships that tie you to the purpose of God and that help you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. See, we don't tend to think of, of community as authority. We think of community more as like a side dish. God's the authority, maybe a person with a title, but really do you understand that when we study New, New Testament Christianity, there is none of this talk that, that we have in our generation about just me and my relationship with God, just me and my stuff. It's us tied to a people, a, a, a holy people, a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and inhabitants of a kingdom. Like, we're not individualists as much as we like to think we are. God has tied us to community, and there's an authority that comes with that. There's, there's an accountability. There's a responsibility. There's actually a dependence. See, I, I can live accountable because I know if I don't, it affects you. I live accountable because I, <clears throat> I know it affects my daughters. I know it affects my spouse. I know it affects my church. I can live within community, not fearing what people think about my best day or my worst day. First of all, because I know God loves me in that anyway. But secondly, because I know the reality of everything that I'm tied to with others is for my good. There's an authority in that. That's not something I want to push away. That's something I want to run to. We have to get beyond thinking that just the community that blesses us at the gym, at CrossFit, the financial planner, the people we have connections to, someone who can get you free coffee, someone who can get you a discount off of a vehicle that you're buying, that the community that we're tied to that can only bless us, it's really small thinking when we're not thinking that we're ambassadors for a kingdom and that God is calling us to a biblical community. And the whole hop and shop churches thing in San Antonio that's been prevalent for all the decades that I've been in this city, which is like, go a little bit over here, try the worship over there, then go to teaching here, and then I do a Bible study here. But, but never really having a network of relationships, but still praying, God, help me go to a church that I like. How about go to a church that you can serve? How about go to a church that you can serve, where God's life can flow through you. Let me tell you just two quick benefits. We're closing with this, two quick benefits of community. Number one, healing. We all need healing in our life. You need healing in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. The more you walk with Jesus, the more you realize, wow, there's things God wants to do. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's a little painful, but it's not as painful when we're serving the Lord and we're tied to community. We have the Holy Spirit leading us. We see the big picture. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Not judge each other, not condemn each other, not bash each other, not be embarrassed between one another, but confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Not that you may hide, but that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results there's nothing more freeing than being free and living in the community of God that helps you stay that way here's the second thing conflict resolution you'll never be in a family you'll never be in a job you'll never be in a church you'll never be in a world a city a town a climate a work environment that doesn't have conflict 
It's the nature of the fall. It's the nature of the world. So how do we handle that? In relation to community, when we know we're going to be with people, but we're not going to get along with everybody, it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, not, not by the authority of what you like, but by the authority of Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other, that there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. God's saying, I want you to get on the same team because it's not about your team. It's my team. Get on my team and live in harmony with the people around you. Understand, significantly, over the last 20 years, just helping people, upbringing affects this tremendously. Parental figures, fears, absent parents, all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you, part of your healing in the community of God is to learn how to get beyond that. Part of a healthy church. Can I tell you that you're not sitting around people who had perfect homes and perfect dads and moms that people were even saved, that I had parents who were saved, that still I continued to go through healing and I had amazing parents. I continued to go through healing and things in my life because there were just things that they could not give me. As a 43-year-old man, there's still things God is healing in me as a grown man that weren't my parents' fault. They're just things my parents couldn't do for me or give me. That's okay. I can live in relationship with God see him heal those areas and deal with those areas so that I'm not victim to them, but I'm victorious in them. Amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.